Good morning, everyone. I am honored and a bit nervous to be speaking on Mother's Day, but I'm happy to be here and happy you are all here. Um, it is true that being a mom has taught me a lot, um, but it's even more true to say that I am still learning. There is so much that I am still learning. I have so many moments where I ask myself, am I even doing this right at all? <laughs> it's hard, but I'm excited to share something that God has been impressing on me since becoming a mom. Through having kids, God has begun opening my eyes to seeing beyond the everyday and into an eternal perspective. Parenting in light of eternity changes the everyday moments, those momentous occasions and the mundane ones as well. Five and a half years ago is when I became a mom. My firstborn was, uh, my first daughter was born, and we had the joyous moments where they came and said, it's a girl. Uh, I, after that, the nurse came over and she said, however, there's been a complication. Uh, because of your diabetes, we need to take her to the NICU right now. Um, my heart stopped and everything else turned into a blur. Um, she was whisked to the NICU where later we learned that she had golden heart syndrome. She has microtia ears, smaller ears, um, a very small jaw which resulted in feeding issues and a few other conditions that we would find out along the way. I poured myself into doctor's visits, nutritional consultations, specialists, and more. I was a mom now and I was going to do this right. A year and a half later, the unknowns of her condition... Um, brought me to a crisis, and I ended up finding myself seeking out counselor help. What she told me changed my own life and the way that I now mother my two girls. After listening to my story of the past year, she told me flat out that I had not allowed myself to face the pain and grieve. To hear her tell me that I had a right to grieve this loss, that it was actually okay and needed, it opened my eyes for the first time to see how hard I'd been fighting to simply avoid the pain, and not letting myself or anyone into the pain inside. After she said this, it's so important to process your own grief by letting God in to my pain. She said, someday your daughter will need your guidance as she grieves over her own loss and faces her own heartbreak and brokenness and pain. And for the first time, I realized I could not prevent pain from being a part of her life, even if I pursued all the right doctors and the right specialists and did everything that I could I believe this was a profound word from God, beginning to open my eyes to see his place in our lives as we face and walk through pain in parenting, the eternal picture beyond what only I can see physically. He wasn't asking me to try to prevent Jeannie's pain or telling me that if I do it all right as a mother, she'll live a life with no pain. That's not the life that Christ promises any of us. He says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He says, take up your cross and follow me. As a mom, I get to help point Jeannie to the one who is with her in the painful moments of her life. To help her ask Jesus into her pain and share with him her joy and her sadness. He's not surprised by Jeannie's condition. In fact, I'm coming firmly to believe that there's much glory to him that her life can declare by what she faces and overcomes daily. In the Gospel of John, Jesus encounters a blind man, and his disciples ask, whose fault is it that, he has, that he's blind? Jesus replies in John 9, 3, that no one sinned, but this came about so that God's works would be displayed in him. This, God's work in our lives, is what is eternal. Would I really need God's work in my life if I could somehow manipulate a carefree life instead? My pain and my hardships belong only to this earth. They're not eternal, but our hearts and our relationships with him are eternal. 
recognizing that as a mom, I get to teach my now two girls what is temporary and what is eternal is to show them that Jesus is with them in every circumstance they face. Last year, we faced some of these hard times and some very painful days that came unexpectedly. Jeannie had to go through four surgeries on her eyes um, because her eyes don't close all the way, and she was getting metal particles in her eyes that they needed to dig out. Four times, we had to take her to the hospital, and I couldn't promise her that they won't hurt her. The needle that she knew was coming... Um, the needle she knew was coming, and I had to show her the strength of faith that comes when we're faced with pain. We had to walk through it. I heard a quote by Francis Chan, um, and it's really inspired me. He said, following Jesus means that I put aside my personal desires and trust that the end result will be better. It will always be better by following him. I could show Jeannie an example of that right there, that Jesus was with her in her pain. And he holds the beginning and the end result in his hand. Thankfully for an example like that, the end result was just a matter of a few days feeling better. But the eternal truth that we both learned, Jesus is present in our pain. And God can and will use the struggles and trials that we face to produce strength that only can come from him. I'm not making light of pain. I know that it's hard. Whatever pain you're facing right now, I can bet that it's not easy Since this is Mother's Day, I will compare it to labor pains. (laughs) Labor is extremely painful, lasting anywhere from 2 to 42, who knows, even more than that, I don't know, hours. But on the other side is life. We say as moms that once we get there, we say it's worth it when we see and hold our new baby and and see their life. Can we believe that when we reach the other side, we will look back and realize that life on this side was just the labor pains, was just the start, and that the temporary pain we face, will we be able to say that it was all worth it? Parenting with eternity in mind has changed how I view our earthly pain. It's also changed how I try to handle the everyday, sometimes mundane problems. So what is parenting with an eternal perspective? I now see my role as a mom as a response to the greater calling that God has given all of us. Go now and make disciples of all nations. Love others as I have loved you. His calling on my life right now is being applied 24 hours a day with my little ones at home. I need to rely on God to show me each day what I do that will have an eternal impact. What will last and what will not. When I want to shield my daughter from a life of pain at all costs, it might feel pleasant in that moment. But will the result of this teach her the need of a protector who is eternally greater than me? When I give in to that whiny, I want another cupcake attitude, I might maintain momentary peace. And yet I teach my children that their wants are more important than gratitude. When I think that if we only had X number more dollars this month, and then we'll be safe, am I teaching my kids to trust their savings or a savior? These are everyday moments that can direct my kids to something that will leave my children empty or someone who is eternal. Parenting in light of eternity changes how I face these everyday problems, but it has also shifted my perspective. I have recently... Actually, no, I'm going to skip that part because I think I'm going to go too long. (laughs) But I have recently read a question that was very challenging. What would break my heart more? Kids who don't love me or kids who don't love Jesus? The human flesh side of me answers. 
I can't imagine my kids not loving me. That'd be terrible. Of course I want them to love me. And yet, what will eternally matter? I will not live forever. And when I'm gone, if I'm truly the most important figure in my kid's life and not Jesus, where will they turn to? Who would they have? They would be empty. I am pretty sure, though, if they fully love Jesus with their whole heart, the fruit is they will also love their mother. It's not exclusive. I honestly want kids who love Jesus more than they love me, who find comfort and security in him instead of me, because I know that he will never leave them, and I can't always be there. Looking to eternity has shifted this perspective off of myself, and it has also made me grateful for his presence. I'm so thankful for his presence. To be fully honest, even as I was preparing today, I was so aware of all the moments of my weaknesses because I need him. I am missing the mark daily, hourly, minute by minute sometimes. When I get angry at my kids because it's the fifth pair of dirty underwear today, or I get impatient because I'm asking them to put their shoes back on again and they can't find them, or I start yelling just to be heard over the screaming tantrum that seems to be breaking my eardrums, He says, I'm not forsaken. He doesn't disqualify me because of those moments, but he uses these moments as another way to point my kids to who he is. When I'm humble enough to admit my faults and my imperfections to my kids and ask them their forgiveness, I show them the mercy and grace that Christ is offering me and that even in their imperfections, that they have a Savior who will love them 100%. Suddenly, my need for a Savior is a way that I can show them their need for a savior. Thankfully, their imperfect mother is not their savior, but Jesus is. I can only exemplify this to my girls, but it's for them to accept Jesus' life as a sacrifice for their own. I'm still learning, keyword is definitely still learning, to pray daily for my girls. This probably should have been my first point because it's the most important. Praying that they too can see God's eternal perspective and not be blinded by the everyday distractions. Learning to parent in light of eternity has been showing me a purpose beyond the everyday mundane. There is something higher and greater and deeper at work in the laundry, in the messy Cheerios, the diaper changes, the dinner prep, the stinky garbage, every part of these full days. I can't leave my children eternal health, comfort, riches. None of those can be taken from this earth. My parenting verse has become 3 John, 3 John 1, 4, and it says, I have no greater joy than to see my children walking in the truth. No greater joy to pass on the promise of his presence in our pain, in our problems, and shifting our perspective to him is my deepest prayer for, and hope for my kids and my family. I know that we love our kids, and it is so awesome that we get to be a part of sharing his love for them and knowing that he loves them more than we do and that we get to be a part of pointing them to him. Thank you. Happy Mother's Day. Good morning. My name is Heidi and I have a 14-month-old son named Micah. Chances are, if you've been to Connect at any time in the past year, even if you don't know who I am, you know who Micah is. I'm starting to have to introduce myself as Micah's mom before people remember who I am, and I'm okay with that. 
you know, we'll walk into a room and everyone's face lights up with this big smile and I feel so great. And then I hear, Micah! And I realize that it was my son they were excited to see the whole time. And honestly, I'm okay with that too because Micah lights up my whole world. He came into my life at the exact moment that I needed him and nothing brings me more joy than to see how many hearts he touches just by being in the same room and I really pray that that continues throughout his whole life. It's a humbling thought to think that I have been taught um, my child's whole 14 months of existence. (laughs) But what I love about children is that it seems like with everything new that they learn, they're teaching us as well. And a moment that I will always remember is the first time that Micah took his first steps on his own. Now you might be thinking, okay, Heidi, that's pretty cliche. Everybody uses a child's first step as inspiration. And you know, I get it. You know, we've heard it all before. Every time a child falls, they get back up, or it doesn't matter if a baby falls down 50 times, he's still not going to think, you know, I don't think this whole walking thing is for me. And while all those are very true, that's not what I'm going to be sharing about today. Because you see, I was expecting to be inspired by how many times he fell and got back up. I was expecting to love the determination on his little face as he tried more and more every day. I mean, I watched the commercials with the Olympic athletes, and they were talking about their number one fans, and they were their moms, because it all started from teaching them how to walk. So I get it. Like, I was prepared for this to be in a very exciting moment. But what I wasn't expecting was the look on his face while he did it. For quite some time before this, you could tell he really wanted to be exploring on his own two feet, but he didn't quite have enough confidence to just let go of his surroundings and move forward. So when it finally happened, he had his hands in the air, his eyes were locked into mine, and his face was pure joy, as if to say, look, Mama, do you see what I'm doing? Aren't you proud of me? That same week, I was meeting with a group of women, and we were taking a program together called Freedom Session. And the question was asked, what do you think life would look like without fear and failure or guilt and rejection, and instead to live life freely the way God intended? And I couldn't help but replay in my mind the moment that Micah took those first steps. Because to me, that's what it looks like. If I were to live without the weight of guilt and shame, and without the heaviness of fear and rejection, I believe that I would be having my hands in the air, my eyes locked towards my heavenly Father, running to him with pure joy as if to say, look, Father, do you see what I'm doing? Aren't you proud of me? So why does life look so different? Why do we shrink back and put our hands in our pockets and keep our heads held down? Why do we let the lies in our head or the fear of failure and rejection keep us from living out who God created us to be. In that moment, Micah wasn't worried about what we would think of him if he fell down again. He didn't try to talk himself out of trying just one more time. All he knew was that I was there encouraging him, ready to pick him up or catch him if he needed me to. And that's how he showed me that the opposite of fear is not courage. The opposite of fear is love. I don't even know if Micah knows what it means to have courage, but I do know that he knows what it means to be loved. 
Scripture says perfect love casts out fear. It doesn't say perfect courage. And yet, throughout the Bible, God commands us to be courageous. But what I've seen is that he doesn't just leave us with something that sounds a little bit easier said than done. Because with every command to be courageous, he promises he is with us. I've learned that those two go hand in hand. So if this is true, and if Micah can live life so fearlessly because he knows he's surrounded by love, how much more should we live life this way, knowing that God's love, which is perfect love, is always surrounding us? And I think it's interesting that we have all witnessed the part of life where walking is the most exciting part of our day. And yet now, it's something that most of us don't think twice about. In fact, I'd even go as far as to say some of us take for granted. When Micah was taking those first steps, he was scared. And then once he did it, trust me, this is all he wants to do now is walk. (laughs) So what if that's the same for the rest of the things that God has for us in life? What if what God is putting on your heart right now is hard and scary today, but in time will become second nature if you just let go and move forward? From that moment, Micah challenged me to keep my eyes locked on God, focusing only on him when he says, you can do it. Try again. Be courageous because I'm here and I love you. 1 John 3.1 says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. From this, I get the picture that God is the parent watching us the way I watched Micah take those first steps. And with every look, Father, do you see what I'm doing? Are you proud of me? He's matching it with, yes, and this is what I've had for you all along. Whether or not you've experienced the type of rock-solid confidence that comes from a mother's love, I want to encourage you that God's love offers even more. It's constant, it's available, and it's the key to life overflowing. Happy Mother's Day, guys. Hi, happy Mother's Day. (laughs) Um, I wanted to take uh, a little bit of time today to chat with you guys um, about a little bit of my journey. Um, And that's, uh, these other women have spoken so beautifully and eloquently about uh, their journey of motherhood. And I I do want to kind of go a little bit more with the journey uh, to motherhood for me. So, um, yeah, we'll proceed. God has a plan. These are words that I've told myself over and over again. Jeremiah 29.11 is a familiar verse for a lot of people. It states, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. You are worried for no reason. These are words that I have spoken to myself and that I have had said to myself over and over and over Uh, Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
I don't think I even want kids. These are words that I spoke to others and to myself over and over again so many times that I almost believed it. Almost. My husband and I tried for multiple years to have a baby. At first, it wasn't stressful, but as time went on, it really began to weigh on us. There were okay days, um, days that I had every ounce of faith that we were going to be able to conceive, and it was all in God's hand and his perfect timing. There were also extremely difficult days, days that I couldn't follow through with plans that I had made because I didn't want to come across anyone that happened to be pregnant. There were times that I was so sad I would just go somewhere quiet and cry, and then there were times that I would get so angry I would lash out on my husband and family and God wondering, why is this so hard? What did I do that was so wrong that I don't deserve a baby? Those days only made things more difficult, difficult for me, my husband, my family, and my friends. One of the best examples I have learned from my now 14-month-old son is when he has fallen and hurt himself, or when he is frustrated because he can't reach something or open something, what does he do? He looks for mommy or daddy to help him, to comfort him. He knows that is all he has to do to make everything okay. And exactly what I want to do. I want to make everything okay for him. That is exactly all that we need to do when we are hurt, sad, angry, frustrated. Just look up to our Heavenly Father, cry out, and know that he is comforting us and making it okay. Doing this doesn't necessarily take away whatever obstacle we are facing or miraculously give us whatever we want. What he does is walk with us through whatever it is that we are dealing with. He helps us to be able to endure it. Our journey of infertility lasted for almost four years. We were sad and frustrated, but God opened all these doors, and we ended up doing IVF. It was truly amazing to see how God clearly orchestrated that process. I wouldn't even begin to have enough time today to tell you everything, but I can tell you he was so part of every minor minuscule detail. It was it was so clear, and it was so amazing to see. IVF takes a toll on you. It is a sacrifice in many ways, financially, physically, and emotionally. But it also gives you hope. It gave us hope. We are so blessed and happy that it worked for us when it worked. I felt like a walking, living, modern-day miracle. However, our journey wasn't over. The doctors weren't sure that my pregnancy was viable. It was an extremely long six weeks before we were able to hear our baby's heartbeat and receive that confirmation that I was indeed pregnant. Believe it or not, more difficult things were to come. <laughs> we spent many nights in the emergency room waiting, wondering, and praying that everything was okay with our baby. I was also diagnosed with gestational diabetes and ended up being insulin dependent. I was paralyzed with fear and anxiety. And out of everything that we dealt with, this was the most difficult and extreme thing, the hardest thing to this day that I have ever endured. I tried to give it to God. I sought out the counsel of others. I prayed. I had people pray for me, over me. I told myself truths constantly. I tried to have faith. I was blind to God's hand through it. Like I said, it was the hardest thing I've ever dealt with. Rana Detrick says it really well. Faith is not ours to work towards, aspire to, or command at will. 
It will not appear at our beck and call. Faith is nurtured in the darkness of pain. It slowly, silently multiplies in long, wide, and deep spaces of waiting, of questioning, of aching, of asking. Bottom line, faith is a choice. And sometimes it is a choice you have to make one, 20, or even 100 times a day. God has the perfect plan for each and every one of us. But his plan might be different than our plan. It might not always be what we expect. And I find it is rarely in our timing. Another example that I have learned from our son, Samuel, is there are times that he doesn't get his way. When he doesn't get what he wants so badly, and we as parents have to tell him no. Why? Because we are protecting him. We are protecting him from something that might hurt him. When this happens, what does he do? He cries. He gets mad or frustrated. We do the same thing. We don't get what we want, and we get hurt, upset. We don't understand. We're angry. We're frustrated. But maybe, just maybe, God is protecting us, protecting us from something that could potentially harm us, or he is just guiding our steps to stay within his plan for us. This lesson also applies to God's timing. His timing is perfect. He knows when we are ready for something. Sometimes a no is temporary. Samuel loves to climb on everything, especially me. I have the bruises to prove it. (laughs) But there are times that what he is trying to climb isn't safe for him because he isn't big enough yet. He isn't ready. But when he is older and bigger, it will be safe. He will be okay. Sometimes we have to just have to wait until it's safe. And God knows when that is, and he is preparing you for that time. Every single person in this room has dealt with the disappointments, with getting hurt, with grief, with longing for something so badly. Acknowledge that. It will hurt sometimes. It might make you sad or angry. You may never understand the whys. But you must believe there is a reason what he wants for you is perfect for you. What he wants for us is so much greater than what we could ever imagine for ourselves. If I had gotten what I wanted years ago, I wouldn't have Samuel. And Samuel is perfect for us. I will close with this scripture, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts.